for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. Christian, why does that word put a bad taste in some people's mouths? Maybe it's because too many Christians don't know how to follow Christ. Religion is one thing, but a relationship is something else entirely. Discover the difference. Join us for a new series about being a Christian atheist. everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. I hope you guys are having a good time. How are you doing? Good? Glad to hear that. We're on part three of a series we've been doing for a few weeks now called Christian Atheist, and it's based on a book by pastor and author Craig Groeschel, and the uh, idea behind it is just incredibly simple. It's when you believe in God, but then live as though he doesn't exist. The reality is every single one of us has a Christian atheist moment. Sometimes we have Christian atheist days, uh, truth be told, we have Christian atheist seasons in our lives. So this is not something for the person beside you. This is for you. This is for every single one of us. We kicked off the series by talking about when we believe in God, but live with ourselves as king. And you thought that was tough until you came back for part two, right? How many of you here were last week? And we talked about when you believe in God, but won't forgive. So today we're going to do something that is much more gentle on your soul. We're going to talk about when you believe in God, but not his church. So I grew up, yeah, there you go, I grew up here in the Bible Belt going to church, and, and I remember how my faith in the church got eroded a little bit over time, just one thing after another. It was a series of small things that would happen. I mean, after all, if you go to church two or three times a week, every week, your whole life, there's chances are something's going to happen that's not going to be all that positive. I remember one of the first ones, uh, the first time that I began to discover there's something wrong with the church. My, my dad gave me a silver and wood grain pocket knife for Christmas, and I wanted to show it to all my friends. And it come on, parents, how many of you know when we tell our kids, yeah, leave that at home, leave it in the car, right? I mean, my, my daughter all the time wants to take a stuffed animal into Target everywhere she goes. I'm like, no, we don't take stuffed animals into Target because they sell them. They're going to take it from you. Okay, anyway. So I didn't listen to my dad. He said, leave it at home. I said, no, it's going to be fine. I mean, we're going to church. What can go wrong in church, right? And so we're sitting in Sunday school. It was me and and the maybe two or three other 10 and 11-year-old boys, and I was excited, said, here, check this out, this is what I got for Christmas, and they're kind of passing it around and playing with it, and it, when it was time to go, I said, I, I need my knife back, and they said, I, I gave it to you. Well, what do you mean? I don't have it. Well, I gave it to that guy, he, and, and that guy says, well, I put it on the couch right beside you, and so as they get up and run out, I'm looking around everywhere, and I'm thinking, man, it really seems like somebody took it and lied to me. But we're in church, so I'm moving the cushions and everything because nobody in church would actually steal and lie to you at the same time. <clears throat> then a couple years later, we got a new Sunday school teacher, and I thought this was awesome. We were privileged because a lady in our church had gone off and gotten a degree in biblical studies, and she came back, and she was our director of Christian education, and they put her in charge of our Sunday school class. We must be the deal. I mean, seriously, all of the high school boys, if we get the director of Christian education, either we were the worst or we were the best. And then as she started teaching our class and we were talking about some stories in the Bible and somebody was asking a question, she said, well, you, listen, you need to understand the Bible is just a collection of folk stories meant to inspire us. And I thought, uh-oh. And when I was growing up, I had to, another family that was in the church. They were really good friends of mine. They had a pool, so that's cool. So we'd go over and swim and hang out. They had a daughter and a son, both about my age, and they were in the youth group with us. And I thought they were like the cool family. The dad was like one of the head deacons. 
Then I remember when I was in high school, my parents were talking one day on the way home from church about how the father was having an affair and the mom was doing something else. And I thought, seriously? This is the church? This is the leadership we have? So when I went off to college, even though I, at that point I already knew God had called me to do this for my life, I had given up on church, lost faith in it completely. And so I had no intention of going to church at all. I was going to read my Bible and talk to God every day, but never go to church. You know, unfortunately, I would bet that everyone in this room has probably had a frustrating church experience of some sort. Maybe for you, you've been hurt by a person in the church. Maybe you've seen money spent in a way that you didn't think was the best. Or, well, maybe you've watched a leader teach one thing and do another. But look, here's the ultimate problem with the church. It turns out the ultimate problem is the obvious problem. The church is made up of people, sinful people, broken people. And as a result, we think that our experience gives us permission to disconnect and to say, I don't need to be a part of the church. We think I can believe in God, but not his church. It's exactly what I tried to do in college. I knew I was called to lead the church and had no idea how that was ever going to work since I didn't care about his church. I just cared about him, and I thought I would just do good things. Well, one of the reasons that we don't believe in his church that I want us to work on this morning is because we have an idea of it up here that is not his idea. We've got something else going on. When someone says church and we think about church, something comes to mind that is not at all what God really intended. And sometimes what comes to mind is actually what's playing out in real life, and that causes another problem, doesn't it? So let me prove my point just with one simple question. And it's not a question I'm going to ask you. It's a question we ask each other. We ask this question all the time. A few simple words. We meet someone and say, where do you go to church? Right? Anybody want to raise your hand and say, I've never asked that question. Anybody? Can you actually say, I've never asked that question? Very few of us. We always ask the question, where do you go to church? And here's what's wrong with that. We've taken church and turned it into a place. Or worse, a time to endure. I hope this is not the hour you have to endure every week. If it is, I hope the 30 minutes I'm on stage are your favorite parts. But uh, that's what I tell myself. That's how I get out of bed every morning. They love me. They love you, Jimmy. The devil hates you, but they love you. Here's what's wrong with this. You see, our word, church, can I have a nerd moment? You guys allow a nerd moment? Any nerds in the room? You want a moment with me? Here you go. Our word church in the English language actually comes from a German word, Kirche. Now here's the problem with that. The Bible wasn't written in German. And the word in German means a place to worship. That's that's what that means. And that is not what the Bible meant. Every time you read the Bible and you see the word church, it's not written in English, nor is it written in German. So here's what you really should be thinking. In the New Testament, there's a Greek word, because the New Testament is written mostly in Greek, and the Greek word is ekklesia. And when you read in the Old Testament, there's a a Hebrew word, because it was written in Hebrew, and the word is kahal. Now here's all that you need to know, because there won't be a test on that. Ekklesia and kahal mean the same thing, and neither of them mean a place. What they actually both mean is a gathering of people for a purpose. And in the New Testament, it even goes further as to imply it's a gathering of God's people for his purpose. A gathering of God's people for his purpose. So what is this gathering? 
Well, there's actually one verse before we get into the Bible. Don't turn there just yet because this is real quick. It's actually the very extension of Jesus himself on the earth today. We know Jesus died, Jesus resurrected, Jesus ascended and said, you guys do it until I get back. And so we see in Colossians, it says, Christ is also the head of the church. Christ is also the head of the gathering of his people for a purpose, which is his body. And one of the reasons we've decided we can believe in God, but not his church, is because we have reduced the very body of Jesus upon the earth to a mere time and place. And I don't know about you, but I cannot commit my life to a time and a place. There's no hour of the week that's worth dying for. I mean, seriously, is there one? Some of you would say 5 o'clock Friday. Yes, sir. Actually, that, I live for that one five days. I can die for that one. That's okay. But outside of that, is there a place? No. I mean, maybe you've got your favorite restaurant. Maybe you've got your hammock in the backyard. Still probably not worth dying for and probably not worth living for. So what I want us to talk about today is what God actually intends for his church and how we can come to a point where we can actually believe it. I think if we can get the right idea up here, we can. So I want to I show you a couple of things about why we should believe in this church. And the first one is this. God believes in it. God believes in it. One of the best passages in all the Bible comes out of Ephesians 3, for at least for telling us what the church is. And it says that God's intent was that now through the church. Can you guys say those three words with me? Through the church. It does not say through the angels. It does not say through his miracles. It does not say through their dreams, but it says through the church, which we already know is not a building, right? Look, if you guys have been around Grace Life for the last couple of weeks, you feel like I'm just beating this into your head because we've got a couple of series that have just lined up. We did one talking about how we're building a building, not a church. But we're building a church. Did y'all catch that? The building is a few hundred yards from here. The church is right here and wherever we go. We even gave you magnets. And if you were here a couple of weeks ago and you didn't get one, pick up one. They're in the lobby. It says, while the workers build a building, we're building a church. We're building a gathering of God's people for a purpose. We spent several weeks talking about what that purpose is. So this is not new to us if you've been here at Grace Life. His intent was that now through us, through us, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. Here's the reason that, that angels are not what he's using, because angels are looking at us to find out what the plan is. They don't even know. Did you catch that? Angels in heaven, demons in hell, principalities in the spiritual realm are looking at us to figure out what God is doing. Wow. You know, we have a phrase in America, I guess, probably other parts of the world too, says don't put all your eggs in one basket. Everybody ever heard that? Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, God did. I mean, if y'all can imagine God going to Vegas, I've never been to Vegas, but I've watched a couple of movies. And you know how it is, the high roller, heavy roller, high roller, what are they? Big roller, I don't know, something like that. I told you, I've never been to Vegas. And they're like, I'm betting it all. I put it all on one number, and the wheel starts going round and round and round, and you're thinking, how will that little ball, bouncy ball, what is, I don't know what that is either, going to land on only one number? Are you kidding me? Yes, and there's not a number. It's the word church. God put everything, his whole mission, into the church. All of his eggs are in one basket. It's you and me. And then we run into people. Some of us have been those people. I was that person in college, so look, you, you can be with me. 
You don't have to feel bad about this. The truth is, some of the people who need to hear this are clearly not here this morning. They're not anywhere this morning except on their own couch. But there are a lot of people who say, look, I don't need to be in a local church. I don't need to be in your church. I don't need to be in that church. I don't need to be in whatever church because I'm a part of the church. And they'll say, I'm part of the big C church. I'm a part of the body of Jesus. I don't need to go to your little organization or be a part of organized religion. Matter of fact, organized religion is what has hurt me before. It's why I'm a part of the church and I tell people about Jesus and I give to some poor people and I kind of help out and I do everything Jesus would tell me to do. I just don't need organized religion. I don't need his church. Here's what I would say to people who are in the big C church and not in the local church. I just want to ask what the salvation count is for your life. If you're just doing it all at lunch with your coworkers, if you're talking to people, how many people have gotten saved because of your conversations? And I want to ask this, what does the baptism count because of your life? Because I am willing to bet the church that they criticize has a higher count on both of those than they do. You see, here's the deal. The church has problems because it's got people, but it's also got results. And that's why God believes in it. You know why else we should believe in the church? Because Jesus died for it. The Bible tells us that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. As we already said, one of our key reasons for not believing in the church is simply because we're disillusioned or disappointed. If you have not been hurt in the church, welcome. This must be your first Sunday. Thanks for joining us today. Glad to have you here. Somebody besides you would love to go to lunch with you. No, seriously. We've all been disillusioned by something. We've all been hurt by something. We've all had that story. Maybe you've been hurt by a decision that was made or something that someone said that they didn't know. One of the funniest things, when I was just the volunteer youth pastor at a church, I kind of got into a little tip with the associate pastor and the secretary because, you know, they wanted to tell the youth that we weren't allowed to use the kitchen. They actually put a lock on the kitchen door and didn't give the youth pastor a key. That would tell you something about trust in that church, wouldn't it? Well, the funny thing is they had also decided they wanted to be able to talk to people throughout the week because you never know. Hey, has anybody seen Bob? I don't know where Bob is. I think Bob is back there painting one of those rooms. No, Bob is actually on the other side of the building. He's cleaning something. Man, if we just had a microphone on the secretary's desk connected to speakers all over the whole building. They asked me to install it. I did. What they didn't realize is how to work it. So after I left the office and they started talking about me, guess who heard it? Guess Everyone in the building heard it. Maybe you've been hurt by something someone said that shouldn't have been said. Maybe, maybe you think the church is full of people who believe one thing and do another. And why in the world would you want to join a bunch of hypocrites anyway? Maybe you know that church could be done better, but, well, no one will listen to you no matter what you try. And so naturally we do what you would expect. We say, because of my hurt... The church is not worthy of my life. The funny thing is Jesus said, despite my hurt, the church is worthy of my life. And he gave his life. He died for it. Look, here's the thing. The church is not perfect. And Jesus knew it isn't. And he knew it wouldn't be, even as he voluntarily gave his life. He said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I am doing this because. Here's another good reason. You're part of it. One reason you should believe in the church, you're part of it. Even 
when you try not to be. Do we have any parents in the room who have a, have, I'm sure this doesn't happen to you, of course, it's only my children that do this, that, that somehow get a bad attitude on occasion. Like you say something like, we're going to a store. I don't want to go to a store. We're going to grandmommy's house. I don't want to go to grandmommy's house. We're going for a walk in the park. It's going to be hot and there are going to be bugs and it's going to be sweaty and I don't want to go for a walk in the park. I don't care if you don't want to go. We're going anyway. Get in the car. And so you get somebody in the car. We've got all six people in the van looking in the rearview mirror. Yep, there are five other heads beside mine and one of them in the back seat. I don't want to do this. I'm not doing this. I'm not a part of this thing. I hate to tell you, yes, you are a part of it. You're in the van. You just have a bad attitude. And you can throw your fit the whole way, but you're still a part of it. You can whine, you can complain, and you can spoil it for everybody else, but guess what? You're still a part of it. 1 Corinthians 12 says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the six-year-old daughter, oh, I'm sorry, the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Those are key words. I do not belong that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less of a part of the body. I don't care how much it whines, how much it complains, how much it says, I want to be something I'm not. I want to do something I'm not. I don't like what the hand is doing, so I'm going to be in there. I don't like what the ear is doing. I don't want to be around them. Would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, but as it is, here you go. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of you and me, as he chose. As he, as he chose. As he chose. As I choose, we're walking in the park and you're getting in the van, you're going to get over it. That kind of, as he chose. Now you are the body Christ body of Christ and individually members of it. See, here's the thing. You're part of the church, even when you try not to be. When God looks down upon the earth and he says, I gave a mission. I gave you a great ability to lead. I gave you a great ability to teach. I gave you a great ability to sing. I gave you a great ability to give. Who knows what it is? And when somebody says, I'm not going to do it. Well, you're still in. You just make the rest of it weak. When I was in sixth grade, I, was, I went to school here in South Carolina, so when I was in sixth grade, we did a field trip down to the Barrier Islands, just outside of Charleston, getting to explore all the scientific stuff down there. And one of the things we did is we went for a walk in the salt marsh, and so that's when you're walking in mud that's about a foot thick of gooey, whatever, somethingness that smells like, because it's been around for hundreds of years, decaying, and we're talking about how plants decay and all that sort of stuff. And so I got to a point where neither of my feet we're moving because of the thickness of the mud, and I lost my balance and fell backwards, and I hit my right hand on a girl named Kate. I don't know who she is or where she is today, but I'll never forget, because she broke my arm. Her foot broke my arm. And as I'm out in the middle of this salt marsh, I've never broken a bone before, and I'm suddenly feeling pain I've never felt. And they're like, just shake it off and you'll be fine. I'm not shaking it off. My arm hurts. What are you talking about? Like it's hurt like it's never hurt before. So the teacher and one of the chaperones decided it'd probably be a good idea for an x-ray. Only problem is I'm a couple of miles out in the salt marsh. So I've got to walk all the way back through the mud like this. And because I'd fallen backwards in a salt marsh and I smelt like a dead fish, nobody was going to let me in their car to go to a hospital. 
So they said, well, you, you've, got to, you've got to take a shower somehow so we can take you to, to the hospital. And the, the sweet mother, I guess this is just the way mothers think, mother chaperones. Would you like me to help you get undressed? No, ma'am, I would not like you to help me get undressed. <laughs> I mean, I'm like 14. Maybe if I were four, we could have a mommy-kid moment, but we're not going to do that. And I'm right-handed, and it's my right arm, and I, I don't know if you've ever broken the arm you use, but try unzipping and unbuttoning pants and tying shoes and all these other... I mean, seriously. And finally got to a point, got through that, go to the hospital. It turns out, yes, my arm was broken. They put on a cast. They put it in a sling. And I get back. Here's the thing. The rest of my body suddenly began to revolve around the pain in my arm. The rest of my body missed out on the rest of the hike. The rest of my body missed out on the crab dinner they had, cooking all the crabs over the fire. I didn't get any of that because I was at the hospital getting jello. All because one part of my body wanted to throw a fit. See, the rest of my body ended up suffering because I couldn't just throw it away. And although it decided it wasn't going to do its part for the next six weeks, it ruined a whole lot. This was the last week of school. I mean, summer came. And because of my whiny little arm, this body didn't get in the pool. This body didn't enjoy vacation to the beach. You see, you're a part of it even when you're not, no matter how much trouble you're causing the rest of it. No matter how much the giving you're not doing is hurting what God intended, no matter how much the singing you're not singing is hurting the worship team, no matter how much the playing you're not playing is hurting, no matter how much the serving, you, you get where I'm going with this? Here's why we should believe in it. It's because you're part of it, even when you try not to be. So look, here's the point. If God in heaven, just, just think about this for a minute. If God in heaven found the church worthy to entrust it of the greatest mission, his personal mission, put all his eggs in one basket. If Jesus found the church worthy to give his life for it. If God found the church worthy to call it his very family. Well, if you believe in that God, then you have to believe in his church because he does. You get that? You have to believe in his church because he does, despite its many flaws. So if it's worthy of Jesus' life, it's worthy of yours and it's worthy of mine. And so I want to show you some things that I think, if it's worthy of our lives, that it means it's going, we're going to see in our lives. Here's the first thing. It, it means that it's worthy of our serving. It's worthy of our serving. Just a few weeks ago, here we were doing the At the Movie series. I guess now it's been maybe about eight weeks or, or something. I don't really know. I lost count. Is that maybe two months or three months, something like that? Uh, we, we had a couple that was new to church, did not go to church directly. So they actually called in advance during the week and said, hey, we're thinking about coming to church. Can you tell us what it's like? How does this thing work? That was a lot of fun. And sometimes we get those calls and, well, the enemy wins and people get cold feet on Sunday mornings and they never show up. But these people showed up. And so when they came, someone served them by being with their kids so that they could worship in here without a distraction, which blew their mind because, you mean somebody will be with your kids for free? <laughs> Weird people in this place, but okay. And because we were doing at the movies, someone served them with Coke and popcorn and they experienced generosity. And then someone served them by helping them find a seat so they experienced great hospitality. And you know what happened? Because they were so well served, 
they were able to meet the one who ultimately served. And they gave their lives, both of them, to Jesus as king that day. How cool is that? If you're not serving, ask yourself, why do I think the church is not worthy of my serving? After all, Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. I think it also means that it's worthy of our giving. God gave the church an incredibly specific mission. He said, go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. And then I can just imagine right now, God is up in heaven going, oh my gosh, I totally missed it. Like I had no clue electricity wasn't going to be invented, much less that they would have to pay an electricity bill. Who saw that one coming? And they need buildings. Who knew they were going to need buildings and those weren't going to be free? Oh my gosh, I had no idea when I gave them that. I should have put something in that Bible about some like giving and tithing kind of thing. Maybe that would have helped out a lot. Come on, laugh with me, because you know that hurt. <laughs> Truth is, God exactly knew. He knew that in some countries you'd have to have buildings. Look, you don't have to have buildings in every country. I've been to places where we can worship under a tree and everybody comes. If it's raining, they bring umbrellas. But in America, if it's raining, you don't even come at all because you might have to get wet between your car and the front door. True story, attendance goes down 25% every Sunday that it rains. And there's not a leak in our roof. There are countries where you don't want a building because you don't want the police to know where to find you and kill you. But in our country, we need them. And some of you say, well, you don't have to build big fancy buildings. You can just meet in a school over the weekend. I hate to tell you, but renting a school costs more than owning your own building. Trust me, we did it. We know. Schools seem to think that Christians are like a money bag or something. I don't really know what that is. You know, for some reason, God knew we'd need electricity because, well, there are Americans that won't go to church without air conditioning. I mean, ask yourself, if I told you it's 99 degrees outside, there's no AC or windows in here, by the way, bring a candle if you want to see and bring a little fan to wave as you sweat? No, you'd go somewhere else. God knew there'd be plane trips that cost money to take the gospel to other nations. God knew there'd be salaries for those who had committed their lives for the teaching and counseling of his people. God's not surprised. If you're not giving, ask yourself, why do I not believe the church is worthy of my giving? And then it also means it's worthy of our belonging. Did you catch those words earlier when I told you Hold on to that. The eye says, I do not belong. Yeah, yeah, you do. See, it's worthy of our belonging. Here's the good news. If you're here today, this is probably the one you don't have a problem with. And so it almost seems like, why would I even preach this? Well, I'm going to go on, on a gamble that maybe just because of baptisms, there's a guest here who might have only come for one time, or there's somebody here who is on the end of their faith with the church. Maybe they plan for this being their last Sunday. I don't know. But I'm pretty sure, or some of you will recommend this to somebody to listen to online. But either way, there are people who need to know that it's worthy of our belonging. One of my best friends up until, well, probably about 10 years ago. I'd like to say he still lives, but unfortunately, we've simply just gone so dramatically different ways with our lives. When I was on staff at a church in North Carolina. He was the lead guitar player on my worship team, and our worship team wasn't as blessed as the Grace Life worship team. We, we had one person at everything, which meant you did every rehearsal, you did every weekend, you did everything, and so we spent a lot of time together. 
So he was always there for worship rehearsals. He'd come after school. When I came after school, we'd meet at the church, and we'd have dinner together, and we'd hang out, and we'd do our Thursday night rehearsals. And then he started helping me with the youth team, and so he is, he's on my youth team with me. And then our family was really good friends, and, and so we'd do dinner once a week at each other's house. And so we just spent all this kind of time together. And then, unfortunately, we started picking on things about the church. And at first, it was funny. It was like, well, you know, the pastor isn't getting past his introduction anyway. It's really one of the funniest things. True story. Every week, he'd be like, oh, I'm out of time. I'm just on my introduction. I mean, seriously, it would happen every week. And so at first, it was a joke. We'd start picking on him. But then we would start being more and more cynical. And at some point, God spoke to me and said, stop it. And I did, but for some reason, he didn't. And it got worse, and it got worse, and it got worse. And we moved here to help start the church, and he wanted to be a part of that, but things never worked out. He never got the move, and he'd become so cynical toward the church there. At this point, he would tell you he's going to heaven, but he can't remember the last time he was in church. Matter of fact, he hates that church so much that even years ago when I went and spoke, as his former best friend, he wouldn't even walk in the doors to hear me speak. But the Bible says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. You know, what's interesting is the people who say, but I'm good. I don't need the local, C, the little, little C church. I'm part of the big C church. I just read my Bible. Really? Well, then read it. I'm sorry. <laughs> let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. How do you read that and say you don't need? But encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near, if that was true 2,000 years ago, it's 2,000 times more true today that we need to be together. Try living like Jesus in this world by yourself. You will not succeed. You try being encouraged. You try standing up for the truth. You try walking out of a room when a bad joke is being told. You try that by yourself. I've met those people. It won't take long before they not only don't believe in the church, they ultimately don't believe God's with them. If you're not belonging, ask yourself, why is the church not worthy of my belonging? question for us as we end today is, when you think of church, are you looking for something that meets your needs? Are you looking to be a part of a gathering of his people for his purposes? radically changing the world on a mission. Well, the good news is when the church is working as it should, you don't even have to make the choice. Both of them happen at the same time. God changes lives here every week. Every time we come together, we celebrate because there are salvations, there are baptisms. Like I said, I think we're baptizing 14 or 15 before lunch today. Every Tuesday at our staff meeting, we ask, what does the salvation count? How many people gave their lives to Jesus? We judge how successful the weekend was, not how good the worship was, not how good the sermon was, but how many people entered the kingdom of God. So I don't have to go back very far to tell you what God is doing in people's lives here at Grace Life. And the truth is, you may not have the vantage point I have. I, I, I consider myself incredibly blessed. I get to do what I do for a living. And so I get to see and hear stories you may never hear. Let I me mean, just tell you what happened here last week. About two and a half years ago, there was someone who belonged. Her name was Amber. And Amber invited someone that she met. It was a young lady who was pregnant and was having a very tough time. Circumstances of life were not very good. 
the diagnosis on the pregnancy was not very good. And Ember said, hey, it's our week of prayer and fasting. Why, why, don't, you, why don't you come out and, and we'll have the folks of, at the church pray for you. And Ember emailed us and said, this is what's happening today. Can you get the elders together? We had all the elders. And we were going to make sure we were ready to lay hands on this, this child and pray for its healing. And, you know, the enemy always gets involved. She didn't show. Two and a half years later, for two and a half years, Amber had not heard from this person. Until about a week, week and a half ago. She somehow got back in touch with Amber and said, things are just not going really well. I'm in a tough place. And Amber said, why don't you come to church with me? <clears throat> because Amber belonged. It also turned out that Amber served because... She did have the child, and the child has a lot of special needs, and that makes it very difficult for her to go to church because there aren't many nurseries that can take her child. And it just turns out that Amber's degree is in special needs children. So Amber said, I will, I will be with your child in the nursery so that you can go and worship. So she came and she worshiped. And because many gave, there was a nursery. Because many gave, there was a place to come to because many gave there was worship because many gave there was teaching and because people served because people belonged and because people gave she now belongs she gave her life to Jesus just last week see grace life is not perfect because no church is perfect but God is changing lives through his church all over the earth despite its flaws. And if we believe in him, we must believe in what he's doing. So we must believe in his church. God is changing lives. And if we believe in him, we must believe in his church. I want to close by inviting those of you who cannot say you're a part of the Big C Church. You cannot yet say that you know you're in the family of God because that belongs exclusively to those who have said, Jesus died for me, I want to live for him. At that moment where you have that exchange, what you saw represented today through baptism, when you say, I'm giving my life to God, you enter the family of God. You become a part of the big C, big C church that lives upon the earth. If you've never made that exchange with God, I want to help you do that here this morning. You don't have to stand up or come down front or do anything but right where you're seated, if you would, just join me. Would you all join me in pray? Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now, I want to live for you. I thank you for your love, your mercy, your forgiveness. And my simple prayer is that you give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.